Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Whether you're joining us online or in person, welcome today. I want to give you a moment as we practice what we call the rule of life at 180, where we just spent just about 30 seconds to a minute in silence and solitude to center all that's going on in our lives so that we can allow the Spirit to speak to us. So let's exhale just all the ruminating, automatic thoughts that might be weighing us down and harassing us during the week or the season in your life and allow the Holy Spirit to take those burdens and bring it at the feet of the Lord at God's house and inhale the presence of God, His peace, and His anointing. Sarah Young, October 23rd, Jesus Calling. As you turn your attention to me, feel the light of my presence shining upon you. Open your mind and heart to receive my heavenly smile of approval. Let my gold-tingled love wash over you and soak you in the depths of your being. As you are increasingly filled with my being, you experience joyous union with me. I in you and you in me. Your joy in me and my joy in you become intertwined inseparable. I suffuse your soul with joy in my presence. At my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's just put this picture up here. We're in this series called the Made Simple series. Uh, Last week, I spoke in Matthew 11, the text that we read today, which is the passage about John the Baptist. And commentaries and scholars would mention and call it the motif, John's doubt. Tell someone next to you, John's doubt. John the Baptist's doubt, who proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah, and Jesus himself says that John is the goat, the greatest of all time, the greatest prophet of all time, one born of women, the greatest. And in this text, John doubts. Have you doubted before? Have you doubted God's presence, God's plan, God's intention in dark seasons of your life? Just me? No, a lot of us. And so the scriptures in this passage becomes a mirror for us. And also shows us, and and I want to go back to the Bible series in the next few weeks, but I see, when I was reading the text, it reminded me the, the aggregation, the aggregate of the cost of ministry, the kingdom ministry. When you confront the powers of the age, whether it's systemic inequ- 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 inequities, I, I keep messing this up, inequ- 
What is it? Inequities. I mean, can you imagine I studied at Harvard and I can't get this word in my mind? Um, inequities. And um, when, you, when you confront the powers, there is an aggregate, a cost, that the powers begin to push back. For some odd reason, they push back. So John is experiencing this pushback, and he begins to doubt in darkness God's power in his life. And today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the cost of not only being a Christian, but ministry itself. Ministry made simple, in a way. So I teach a course at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, right near Caltech. Every summer before the pandemic, um, and we had 20 leaders from four different countries and many other leaders across the United States. And there were people from secular jobs that were going into ministry and church planning. The course was called Evangelism and Church Planning. There were people from Sony Pictures that were trying to transition into ministry. And one person asked me throughout the course, if you knew what you know now, would you do it again? Would you plan a church again? And I said, before I answer that question, let me give you some quant. How many people like some quantitative data here? Qualitative and quantitative data. The science behind that question. First, let's look at this, the screen here. So 7,000 churches close each year. 70% of pastors battle depression. 1,500 pastors quit each month. 80% of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastor families feel the pressure of ministry. And 78% of pastors have no close friends, which lead to the aggregate of why 7,000 and thousands of churches close. And so, and, and then 42%, next slide, want to quit. I mean, almost half all clergy in the United States want to quit ministry. And the student looked back at me. It's like, maybe I should keep my job at Sony. Right? For people who attend church and you want to make ministry simple, what is ministry? What is kingdom gospel ministry? And you want a ministry made simple? This is the message for that. What are the prerequisites? What are the factors, the determinants that paint what ministry is when you reduced it down? Ministry isn't preaching, ministry isn't singing, ministry isn't just people serving. When you look at the Bible's motif, the ministry, Paul says, is, is a struggle. Tell someone next to you, struggle. A struggle not against 
picking up heavy equipment and breaking down, or getting people to lead worship, or get people to serve coffee, or join small groups. Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers of this age. Ministry is bearing through what many people would call war. What happens in a war? People shoot at you. It's a conflict that it's about bearing through, enduring. No one enjoys war. And in, in the modernized war, uh, world today, war is one, in the end of the day, it's a battle of attrition. Who outlasts the other? And so ministry in many times is like the Terminator. You're broken down, hurt, because you're in the conflict 24-7. It never ends until Jesus returns or you die. So the aggregating cost of actually doing gospel ministry is attrition in many ways. So let's look at this passage, and I want to kind of show you what this looks like. Now, in this passage in Matthew 11, we see three characters that represent kingdom ministry. There's John the Baptist, there's Jesus, and there's Elijah. Now, let's ask, like the student asked me, would you do this again? What is ministry really like? If you asked and interviewed John the Baptist, Jesus, and Elijah, what would they say? Well, John the Baptist would say, you battle enormous depression in dark moments. For whatever reason, after the greatest spiritual breakthrough in John the Baptist's life, after proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah and multiple people following, beginning to follow Jesus, that was his calling, his prophetic calling. He was in prison and beheaded. In the midst of that twilight, during that tension, he doubted if Jesus really was the Messiah as he was battling depression. And then you ask him, why, John? Did you feel that? I don't know, he would say. It was, it's, it's a form of disorientation. And then Elijah, if you ask him, well, what is ministry, what is kingdom ministry like, Elijah? Elijah would say, Suicide ideation, battling Jezebel, a Phoenician queen that led Israel astray, worshiping the fertility god Baal in the Middle East. And Elijah felt like he was the only prophet. He felt like nothing was going to change. And he said, God, kill me. And he struggled with suicide ideation. And if you asked Elijah, why did you feel that way after the greatest spiritual breakthrough, Elijah, after you destroyed most of all the prophets of Baal, God's power broke, a revival broke out. Why do you feel like you want to die now? I don't know. It just came over me. Jesus himself on the cross says in Psalm 22 prophetically, God, why have you forsaken me? How many people here ever felt forsaken by God? And the key word is forsaken. Tell someone next to you, forsaken. Jesus says the greatest embodiment 
of a human being, what it means to be human, full of grace and truth, at the cross, feels, and that's the key word, God, why have you abandoned me? Did God abandon Jesus? No, he did not. Why does that happen? It's demonic assault. It feels like. You know how Drake says, in your feelings? You get in your feelings and it, get in, it gets into your head and there is an assault. And a lot of times what makes ministry difficult is not the overt, explicit things that you battle. It's the covert things. It's the implicit things that takes place in your mind. There is an assault, a spiritual warfare that takes place that's very demeaning and difficult to deal with. And mental health is being highlighted globally. But you see it happening here in the, moti uh, in the motif of Scripture. We were walking in our park. Put this picture up here. This is Henry's rendition of our park when Star and Roe got engaged right near our park in our, behind our house. And um, just this past week, we were walking and our youngest 10-year-old, our son Josh, saw what appeared to look like a worm or worms on the concrete of the ground in our pathway to the park. And Josh said, Dad, Mom, what, what is this? I never seen, is this like, is it a worm? My wife came and said, it looked like a reptile. And we're all examining the worm. It's not moving. And then in a split second, all of them slithers into the grass. Honestly, I try to keep my cool <laughs> with my family. I'm trying to be tough. Oh, it's just a snake, but I felt chills. Uh, it was gross. There were baby snakes. Some of you guys didn't know that? <laughs> but, but uh, when, I mean, just the, and they were really quick. How did they move that fast? I mean, they slithered away quickly. And in many ways, that's a prophetic picture of what happens. In the Lord of the Rings, King Theoden, the king of Middle-earth, and Tolkien creates an advisor of the king named Wormtongue that controls his mind through lies. And what happens in demonic assault, what happened to Elijah, it happened to John the Baptist, it happened to Jesus. It slithers, it gets into your head, these thoughts, these automatic ruminating thoughts. And in ministry, why the quant, the quantitative data says, why the state of ministry and pastors' hearts are so poisoned the battle of attrition is because this demonic assault is that strong. And so there's this battlefield, there's this war that takes place in ministry. And it's not something you can escape. A student asked, could ministry be healthier? And I said, 
I looked at him like he was stupid, but lovingly. I said, could war be good for your mental health? And he said, touche. No, war can't be good for anyone's mental health. You can mitigate damage. You can try to limit the casualties of war. And psychology is just beginning, the science is just beginning to quantify PTSD veterans being not well when they come back from war. So think about the aggregating cost of that, of people in kingdom ministry being assaulted demonically all the time. So ministry made simple. What is ministry? First thing we learned from these three characters, what, read it with me, ministry is what? Ministry is not like a war, ministry is war. So think about what pastors in general go through. People talk about, and pastors get criticized a lot. Think about this next time you want to criticize leaders or people who serve the kingdom ministry. Think about the assault they're under. If you want to complain, tell someone next to you, if you want to complain, you got to pray. You got to pray for people in kingdom ministry. Because this is not something you can escape. If Jesus couldn't escape it, then none of us can. If the Son of God felt distant from God, Mother Teresa talks about being feeling distant from God for decades. If we push and confront the powers of the age, Meaning, I'm not talking about playing church, but actually being the light of the world, actually proclaiming truth, tackling systemic injustice, and you want to change the world and bring God's kingdom on earth, there will be a conflict. The enemy is not going to allow you to push the darkness and not push back. So one thing I would ask is for you to pray for us. Amen? Because there are times in my moments in ministry where I felt like, even at the, the greatest spiritual breakthroughs, I would feel like maybe it would have been better off if some people never met me. Their life would be easier or better. And you go, why are you thinking crazy things? I don't know. Okay? Demons don't deal with logic. And so, think about the call to pray. Because many of us in ministry, the kingdom ministry, professionally serving, we're enduring demonic assault all the time. And we pray that you would consider that when you pray for us. Ministry is war. We're in this conflict 24-7. So let's move down here. There's something interesting about the nature of this passage. And Jesus sort of, you know, gives us a glimpse of 
kingdom realities in this text when he lays it out about the battle of spiritual warfare in general. But from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So here in this passage, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven have been subject to violence and violent people have been raiding. So the effects of war is not only felt by the minister, it's felt, it, it's felt by all of us. There's an aggregating cost to attending, to serving, real kingdom ministry. The enemy won't just assault ministers. They'll assault all of us. Look at this text. Three battlegrounds. What? This author shares some profound wisdom. He says this, There is an old European proverb worth heeding. It reads, Age and treachery will always defeat youth and zeal. Before we engage in spiritual warfare, we should know this about Satan. He is an ancient and extremely treacherous foe. On the other hand, the strength of most Christians lies primarily in idealism and untested fervor. It is not long, usually five to ten years in ministry, and most zeal has waned. Without warning, the ministers call, right? It wanes. And for many of you here, first I talked about the ministers of the Gospels. I want to talk about you. What you might have to endure in the last decade. And most people in our community came to Christ here. You were one second, you were on the mountaintop. You never even thought you would become a Christian. You made fun of Christians, and then you became one, and you're like, this is the best thing in the world. And then, boom, division, gossip, slander. And then you met Christian community, and you're like, oh, these people are not perfect. Look at the person next to you. These people are not perfect. This is not what I expected. And then you had the rug out pulled under from you. And you're just like disoriented because one moment, it was a moment of elation and jubilation. Wow, I love these people. It's like an episode from Friends perpetually. I love these people. Next thing you know, what just happened? And so these random acts of division, hangups, and hurts seem unrelated to one another. No common thread. But if you really thought about it, many of us in this room who, who are involved in kingdom ministry, you don't even know it, but you have PTSD. The aggregating cost of spiritual battle, and you're just labeling as to natural things. And I'm not... Um, excusing or mitigating sins of people either. Leaders fall. We've seen that in the last couple of years. 
epic collapse of moral failures in the church. People taking the conflict too far, divisions. But I just want to kind of help you see that in war, you, you, there are casualties. And some of us have been wounded in battle, and we don't even know it. And so this malaise and burnout and weariness you feel is from that battle. And so the question I have for you today, as we look at what makes ministry, the, the falcrum, the heart of it, second thing we learn is what? War what? Always has what? An aggregating cost. Some of you here today, and I want to just let you know that it's okay that you've been wounded, hurt, because you wanted to serve God. Your, your heart was sincere to want to be in ministry. Now you've been wounded. You've been hurt. Now you need to be healed. I want to affirm that. And many of us are casualties of war. Now pray the Holy Spirit will show you the places in your life where this thread becomes clear. Because without us identifying the warfare, we'll forever think it's natural and never be able to overcome it. Amen? Today as we close, a word of encouragement after the darkness. A lot of times... Kids can't understand their parents when they give them good things. My parents left me two life insurances after they passed away. I didn't even know about them to take care of me. My parents, both of them passed away about a decade, a decade ago, and, and they've always took care of me. They always loved me. They always gave me beautiful things, bought me my house. But... Did I understand my parents um, when they were alive? No, I didn't really understand. I, was I grateful? Yeah, but I, didn't, I wasn't really that grateful because I couldn't understand their heart until I became a parent of my own. And I want to conclude with this. At Disneyland, a couple of years ago, the happiest place on earth. How many people have been to Disneyland? Never go back. It's a ripoff. Okay? It's a ripoff. If you have kids, that's how they, they get you. It's like $200. How, how is it $200 for this kid here? Come on. And then they're lying. All, all the people around the world are clamoring to get in. It's annoying. It's, really, it's a place where really God sanctifies you. But uh, I really understood the heart of my parents better and was so grateful and became a better person when I lost our youngest at Disneyland. And we only lost him for 10 minutes. But Josh said, he was like crying, how could you abandon me? No, you know, he's kind of dramatic. But, um, you know, I mean, we were like screaming his name. I mean, the logical part of me said, you can't lose a kid in Disneyland. They don't, they're not gonna let him leave. 
the existential part, the visceral part of me, were like, what did, I'm a terrible dad. What did, but it was really uh, his brother's fault. 100%, we told him to watch him. But, but uh, just for 10 minutes, losing your child. I never understood why my mom, in my teenage years, and I was a really good kid. I was like coming from church at 3 a.m. We're having revivals, playing basketball late, and I was not doing anything bad, like some of you pagans. <laughs> but my mom still would be awake at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m., and I never understood, and I would tell my mom, Mom, would you go to sleep, relax. You relax, you're over, you're over, you know? You're so over, and mom's like, it's okay. And at 3 a.m., my mom would ask, do you, do you want some kimchi chicken? Do you want some soup? I know I don't want some soup, it's 3 a.m. Okay, maybe a little bit, let me get a little. <laughs> I never understood the heart of, my, uh, of a parent, the heart of my parents and my mom and my dad until that moment. Then I understood. Suffering, the aggregating cost of ministry, when you suffer for the sake of Christ, when you try to live a godly life, the Bible says you will face persecution, you will face trouble. When we suffer, we become closer. We understand the heart of Jesus, the heart of God better when Jesus was on the cross. We understand Elijah better when he was struggling with suicide ideation. We understand John the Baptist better when he was battling depression. We begin to understand and get closer to the heart of God. That is the joy of suffering in the name of Christ. Amen? Now, blessings from God will give you some benefit of gratefulness to God, but suffering for the cause of the kingdom. I'm not talking about like your, tell someone your sin. I'm not talking about suffering from your sin. I'm like, yeah, God's going to glorify. Okay, he's saving you out of your sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about suffering for godliness. Suffering to move the kingdom ahead. That suffering will help you understand the heart of Jesus. Get closer to God in ways other way, channels and pathways can't. And that's why the disciples... In the New Testament, when they were flogged by the Sadducees, they rejoiced. They said, Lord, we rejoiced that we were counted worthy to suffer for your name. So there's a, a lens of suffering, theologically speaking, that help us, helps us get closer to the heart of God through suffering. And this is not really taught in the American church because we like prosperity. We like Blessing. But suffering itself could be sanctification and help us, it helps us get closer to the cross and the heart of Jesus and the heart of God. And I pray today that would happen. Let's stand and pray together. Today, will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? And first, I just want to pray for those of you who might not know 
I don't know all of your stories, but whether you know it or not, just like Harry Potter didn't know that he was engaged in a spiritual reality all along. And the aggregating cost of the spiritual war is not just reserved for ministers, it's for people in gospel ministry. There are some of us here today <clears throat> I'm really tempted to drink water but it's from a straw and you're not going to be able to take me seriously if I do that sorry <clears throat> but there are many of you in this room <laughs> <All right. clears throat> spiritual authority back okay <clears throat> there are many of you in this room today that you've been wounded You've been grazed, you've been shot at, and you need healing. Yes, it's a blessing to suffer in the name of Christ, in the name of holiness, to advance the kingdom of God. But God doesn't want you to run for his kingdom broken. So today, I want to pray for God's healing. For the Spirit to identify areas of your life where there's PTSD, the ministry of war. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit heal you and start a journey of healing. Let's pray right now as a prayer. At
Father, we want to come before you this afternoon. This is a conversation that must happen. Today, I pray that you would recognize the conflict around you and the aggregating cost of what it feels like to be in the spiritual battle and sometimes be confused. Why? some of these random things are happening around me. The day after the, the, the end of the retreat, just last month, I had my dog with me. Today's all about animals. And let me tell you, I was taking care of her. She's 17 years old. And the ministry was so powerful. The idea of blessing across generations through families through the power of Christ. And then I go to the hotel room, and this is the only time, the whole retreat, my dog poops over everywhere in the hallway of the hotel, in our room, and she steps on it. Every paw had poop on it. I had to dig in the paw to clean it. And I'm like, God, I'm spent, tired, spiritual breakthrough. Here I am cleaning poop out of my dog's paw. I was using a napkin. I said, forget it, man. It's not even working. I got to use my hands. And you go, God, could you spare me from that? When Jesus, I mean, it doesn't compare, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's, they're both shenanigans. No, there are some things in war you have to just endure. Now, you need to rest for Elijah. God took him to a spa. If you read the passage very carefully, Raven started feeding him and he slept for days. And some of us need rest from the battle. Jesus went to heaven, sat at the right hand of God. John the Baptist, the same. But 
Don't lose your faith because of suffering and don't question the heart of God because of it sometimes it's to sanctify us so that we get closer to the heart of God. So there's two things as we end today. One, no, yes, you've been part of war and sometimes we're wounded. But let's count it our joy that we can suffer for the cause of Christ and godliness and to confront the powers of the age. And I pray that the Spirit of God would give you confidence that he has overcome the world in the enemy. Will you bow your heads today for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace today. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, uh, my name is Janice. I'm a member here at 180 Church, and I have some community news to share with you all. Um, first up, um, we have how we can give to the church, and there are many ways that you can give to the church, whether it's through tithing or for purchases at the cafe and at the bookstore. Um, I want to remind our members to continue to tithe faithfully and keep God at the center of everything, including your finances. Um, you can give with Zelle, Venmo, or PayPal. And if you're new here and are exploring, there's no obligation to give, but if you feel led to, you can do so in the methods I mentioned. Uh, next, we have all the various ways we can connect with God and with our community. Um, first, on social media, we have a lot of social media outlets, starting with 180BRG on Instagram. This is a place where we can get daily snippets of the Bible as a reminder of God's uh, word throughout the day. Um, and we also have other social media accounts, including Facebook page, Dr. Sammy's Twitter account. Um, we have a lot of 180 Church Instagram accounts and also our YouTube page. Um, feel free to follow along with us throughout the week. And if you can't make it to service or you'd like to share the message with someone who can't make it, our YouTube is also streaming live every Sunday. Um, so, you're, so you never have to miss out no matter where you are. Um, next, I want to talk about all the resources we have here at 180 to help you in your journey of faith. Um, we have books of daily devotionals that are available for purchase at the 180 Cafe. These books can help inspire you and connect you with God daily. And if you're interested, the prices are listed as you can see, and you can do so with the e-payments that I mentioned. Um, also keep an eye out for the new addition to our bookstore, which is going to be Doc's new book, A Holy Haunting. It's going to be out soon uh, for available uh, and is available to purchase and also available online for pre-order as well. Um, please continue to keep this book in prayer, um, as well as your friends and family that you want to invite in this journey of faith. I know for me it's not easy to share the gospel, especially as we get older, um, but this book is a great way to introduce others to who God is, and it's a reminder for us to reflect on our own journey of faith. So I encourage all of you to read it, share it, and be reminded of our purpose in joining God um, to spread the good news. Um, next, while you're at the 180 Cafe, you can also grab some 180 swag. We do have a collection of uh, sweatshirts that can keep you warm during this wonderful hoodie season. Um, so definitely purchase one. It's based on the honor system payments um, and you can show up your 180 pride. 
Um, next, we also have small group as a way to connect with one another and go deeper in the message from Sunday. It's a great place to grow and ask questions. Um, and there are various groups that meet virtually, including the adult and young adult group, and I believe the college group still meets in person, um, but the uh, location and the times are listed on the screen. Um, and lastly, we have our prayer hotline. This is a resource for those who need prayer or those who don't want to pray alone. Um, you can simply email prayer at 180church.tv and the team will be praying for you and everything is confidential, so please use that as a resource. Um, finally, there are many ways to serve in our community. We're always looking for volunteers as they are the backbone to what keeps 180 running. Um, first, we have our cafe slash bookstore. If you are interested in um, being a barista and helping people wake up both literally and spiritually, we would love to have your help. Um, we also are looking for volunteers for Sunday school to help our littlest members get to know the love of Christ. We're also looking for techies. Um, we love our technology. If there's a platform, we're definitely on it. Um, but we're always looking for new talents to help build our online presence. Um, and lastly, we're looking for greeters. We invite those who want to be that friendly face that greets you when you come in on Sundays. Um, so if uh, any of these are interested to... Uh, if you're interested in any of these, please see our greeters in the 180 swag or anybody at the cafe. Um, and also, we have our 180 fellowship. Um, we're looking to raise money for annual care pack packages, and we do this every year. Um, we create these care packages for students who need to know the love of Christ. Um, and we're looking to raise $2,000 for the care packages, and we do have an anonymous donor who will match $1,000 in donations. The care package event is on the screen behind me if you're interested, and let's keep this in prayer for God to continue planting seeds on campus. And so those are all of our announcements today.